Welcome to the Renovate Church Sermon Podcast. At Renovate Church, we are passionate about teaching God's Word in such a way that you really get to know the heart and character of God and where you can apply the truth of Scripture to every aspect of living. We believe that God's Word is relevant and has the power to transform your life. We're excited for this most recent sermon and we hope it blesses and encourages you. Awesome. Awesome. So glad to be back. Those of you who are maybe visiting or I don't know you yet, I drove in from Dallas this morning, left my house about six o'clock, had plenty of coffee, so I'm wired and ready to go. And uh, those of you who are visiting, if you don't like this message, there'll be somebody better next week. So please come back. If you do like the message, just realize it'll get even better from that. So uh, again, welcome everybody that's here. We know we have many families that are on vacation. So we just pray for traveling mercies over all of them, including uh, our lead pastors, uh, Dave and April. They're vacationing for about two weeks. They're escaping everything to enjoy and to be refreshed. Um, I'm excited to be here. It's always an honor. Um, I was talking to my wife about this and I said, you know, it's interesting. Every time I go to renovate, um, because of the lights, I can't see anybody. So when I do see faces, I'm like, I think, do I know this person? Do I know that person? Because it's, it's all faded out. Um, but again, I just, I absolutely love being here. And today we are on session or I guess whatever service for of our Spirit-Led, Spirit-Filled Life series. And today's a little bit of a transition, uh, if I, I, I believe I'm correct in saying this. The first three weeks was more of a focus on who the Holy Spirit is as a, as a person, as part of the Trinity, that third person of the Godhead. And today we want to kind of transition this into some of the things that the Holy Spirit does in us. And then I think later on in this series, we're going to do some things where we talk about what the Holy Spirit does through our lives. So I just want you to understand moving forward that we know who the Holy Spirit is. Now we want to see how he works in our lives. And then we're going to get to see how he, he is in operation through our lives. So it's like one preacher I heard say that the Holy Spirit is in us for our sake, but he is upon us for others. So he works through us for the benefit of other people. And so just a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, uh, we went to Guatemala. It was our first trip since I almost got stuck there uh, when COVID first happened. And uh, I, was, I was blessed to escape there last year. And uh, I've been sitting at home um, being lazy, no, just um, building on our business and doing some other things and waiting for an opportunity uh, to go back. And so we got this invitation and we were going to be speaking to leaders at this little retreat. It was going to be wonderful and beautiful and nice. And we get there and it was my wife's first night in Guatemala. And what do you know, we get two earthquakes back to back. 5.8 and 6.0, middle of the night. I thought, man, my wife is really resting well because the first one just shook the whole bed. And I woke up, and I'm like, what's going on? And I look over at her, and I was like, oh, it's earthquake. So I just went back to sleep, and we get up the next morning, and they're like, did you guys feel that? And we're like, yeah, it was, it was an earthquake. And 
So I asked the pastor, so what are we going to do? And he goes, well, let's go and have, let's go and have breakfast. And so they took us to this beautiful place. They're in Guatemala. They have the, they have volcanoes everywhere. And he took us to this beautiful place to have breakfast. And you look up and the volcanoes are everywhere and one of them's smoking. And the pastor goes, oh, that's, that's normal. It's always smoking a little bit. And then a few minutes later, it starts really smoking. He goes, well, that's not really normal. And I was like, okay, my wife has been in this country less than 24 hours, and we've had two earthquakes, and a volcano's about to erupt. And she's thinking, what have you brought me into? Now, again, our reason for going, our main event reason was to go and speak to leaders and pastors from not only Guatemala, but El Salvador. But the key pastor, lead pastor there, he says, well, after we finish breakfast, he goes, well, I want you to go to this area with me. And so we, we drive uh, for a few miles and we, we get to this place and it's so impoverished and dirty and dark. And I was like, oh man, seriously, this isn't the mission trip I signed up for. So he takes us to a dump site, a literal dump site. And we're looking and you see kids and they're scavenging through and they're trying to find some food to eat just in all these recycling and trash bags. And it's just a mess. And you can imagine the smells and all of these things. And, and uh, you know, your heart breaks when you see things like that. And your mind immediately goes, I don't know if you've ever been on the mission field or if you've been... Um, you know, if you've had that opportunity to experience poverty at that level, it, it does something to you. It, it breaks you, but it also brings to mind, like, what can I possibly do to help this situation? Like, what, who am I to be able to do anything in this moment that's going to bring life or joy or it's something of, in terms of hope, right? And so we, we spend a little time there and we talk to some of the kids and then we go to where this pastor and his wife, they lived and it was basically just a shack. And um, it was, it was okay, I guess. He, I had asked him if he, um, how it was living there. And he goes, well, it's, it's better now. I finally got a mat on the floor. I've been sleeping on the concrete for, you know, a couple of years, but now my back feels better. It's like, wow. So they asked us if we would pray. Now, this was a kind of an unscripted, it wasn't a service or an event. We just went to see this place and to hear the needs of the people and to see if there was something we could connect with to get involved. And so they asked me to pray over the pastor and his wife. And so I began to pray. And as I began to pray, my wife even says this later on. She says, you were praying an elementary prayer. I wasn't, I wasn't speaking to the darkness and I wasn't being all aggressive and, you know, calling down fire from heaven or trying to cast out. I wasn't trying to pick a fight for anything. I was just like, God bless them, keep them safe, use their hands, you know, to do the work. It's such a great work. Just, just a nice little bless me prayer. And in the next moment, the pastor's wife starts manifesting some some activity, we'll say. Those of you who are uncomfortable with that, we'll just leave it there. But she starts doing some things that are uncharacteristic, we'll say, of a, of a human person. Um, and much less of a, of a pastor and a pastor's wife. And so my wife looks at me and my wife gets very, she's not uncomfortable in those situations, but she does not like them at all. And she just is like, oh my goodness, what have you got me into? We got earthquakes, now we got volcanoes, and now we got demons manifesting. What did you bring me into? And you weren't even praying, you know, she says, I pray preacher prayers. She said, you weren't even praying your preacher prayer. You're praying an elementary prayer. And um, so as this thing starts happening, we just get down and we get her in a good position and we just pray over her. And a few minutes later, she gets free of this attack that was going on in her life. And we're having this conversation later, and my wife says to me, she goes, what, what happened? 
she goes, you know, and she's been, you know, we've been in ministry for, we've been married just actually last week, 22 years. We've been in ministry pretty well the whole time of that. And she's seen everything pretty much. And she goes, but that was a little unusual for me. And she goes, because you weren't, you weren't there on that assignment. So what was going on? And I said, and all it just came out of me. I said, you know, wherever we carry the spirit of God, things begin to change. Environments change atmospheres change and see the thing that you and I have to understand about having having the spirit of God inside of us or being filled with the Holy Spirit you don't realize this but the spirit inside of you it will elicit a response to the darkness in other people the spirit of God that you and I carry it will actually cause things in other people to be uncomfortable You know why some of those people who you're so nice to, you're so gracious to, you're so kind to, you're always speaking life into them and they seem to hate you? It has nothing to do with you. It's that the spirit in you is calling to the darkness inside of them and it's saying, get up and get out. Right? And so when you have the Spirit of God inside of you, it begins to make environments change. It begins to make people a little uncomfortable sometimes. And you can be the nicest person on the planet, but if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, and he begins to, and he has a, a more of a, an authority or an access to use your life, He will put you in positions and situations that you may not necessarily like, but they're for somebody's benefit. So the reason I tell you that story is that I wanted to do this kind of as a launching pad today is to understand that when you you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you carry that everywhere you go. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down like a dove upon him, that everywhere Jesus went, that dove was with him. Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and he went about doing good and healing all kinds of people. That's Acts chapter 10, right? And so when you have the Holy Spirit, being part of, uh, of being led by the Holy Spirit is understanding the capacity you have to be led by God to do the things of God. Now, I want to make something very clear today. And listen, I know many of you, if you're, if you're new, this is, this is good for you. Those of you who are, who are used to the screens and the, the, the scriptures, I quote a lot of scriptures or I paraphrase a lot of scriptures, but I don't always give you the reference. And so Pastor Dave, earlier in the week, he, I think he tagged Raymond and Nello, and he's like, hey, Pastor Roddy, whatever notes you have to send to these guys so they can put it on the screen. And I laugh every time he does that. And there's, there's a reason that I don't use notes. There's actually three reasons. Um, the first reason is this is my style. So if you don't like me, you can repent and you can, you know. Or, um, but this is just my style. I, I could just, you know, I'm, I'm prepared. I mean, I spent three hours in the car praying and, and, and listening to worship and asking the Lord to give me the right words to say. So I'm believing that he's going to do that. So stylistically, this is just, this is just Roddy. Secondly, there is, a, there is this idea of novelty. People respond to novelty. So when you're used to a, or accustomed to a certain method of something and you get something new, it's like, oh, maybe I'll pay a little more attention. So those of you who need the screen, want the screen, you probably need to put up, pull out your phone. Or if you still carry a Bible, um, you can open it up to the certain passages that I will use. And then thirdly, and most importantly, the reason that I don't typically use notes is because of the gifting and the calling in my life, I have to be aware of the environment and the moment that I'm in. And so I'm trying to trust the Holy Spirit to lead me and to navigate through this message. So if it, again, if it doesn't sound good, it's his fault, not mine. 
I'm just the vessel. If he doesn't pour in me and through me, it's not going to work today. And uh, you might say, well, there must be sin in your life because it didn't come out that good today. And uh, then I'll have to repent. All right. So here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He is a, not just a force, but he is God. And, you know, the Bible teaches us that this is interesting. John chapter, John chapter 14, this has probably been used over and over in our, in our whole discussions, whether, it's, whether you're watching online through the, uh, the weekly devotionals or whether it's been, been taught. But Jesus says this in John chapter 14, 16. He says, I'm going to go away and I'm going to go to the Father and he's going to send you an advocate. And this advocate that he's going to send to you is um, he's the Holy Spirit. And the world cannot receive him because they can't see him. And it's very difficult to receive or to understand something that you visually or optically can't see, right? It's hard to accept it. And so that's why many people reject the Holy Spirit as a person, or they reject the infilling of the Holy Spirit, or they reject the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they can't they can't optically see it or they can't conceptualize in their mind or rationalize who he is or what he does. And that's why we're trying to do this series to help us out, to bring some of this understanding. But he goes on and says, but, but you know him. And you, not, you know him because he lives with you and he lives in you. John 14, 17. He lives with you and he lives in you. So, when you have received Christ and you have received this infilling of the Holy Spirit, you have to understand he is always there. You are the container, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, prove that out. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Now he says that we, we are the temple, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now we, 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 we think of that in a physical manifestation, right? Our physical body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And some of us, it's like, you know, I, when, I, when I was a lot bigger, I used to say, well, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, so I want a mega church. I was big, guys. I was really big. And, um, and so now I try to, you know, in my prayer, I t tell the Lord, I want to I glorify you in my body. So I've been trying to take a little bit better care of myself. I lost a lot of weight and did some things to, to get to this position. And I got to maintain it. And, but it's not just this physical idea that our body is a temple. It is the wording that the apostle uses, the apostle Paul uses here, is he's using an Old Testament idea. The Old Testament idea of the tabernacle and the temple was that you had a, a progression of getting into the presence of God. They had an outer court, they had an inner court, and then they had that most holy place. Now in the tabernacle, in the most holy place that Moses had created, that God had given to them, in the most holy place they had the Ark of the Covenant and the Shekinah glory of God, the very manifest presence of God would just fall down. And it was only the priests that could go in there. Thank God that we're kings and priests. And we can go and experience that Shekinah glory, right? But here's the, here's the, here's the thing. So in, in David's, David's temple as well, or Solomon's temple, everything they built had this, this final, it was like this, this step, this process of I'm in the outer. Then I'm going to go into the inner. And then I'm going to go into the, the inner sanctum, the inner of inners, the most holy place, so that I can experience the presence of God. What the Apostle Paul is saying is that in you is that holy place. It's not an outer court. It's not an inner court. It's the most holy place. God has put his spirit 
inside of you. So you become that vessel or that container of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just about doing things or accomplishing things or walking in gifts. It's about understanding your capacity to carry the Spirit of God within you. And that, that can be overwhelming. But here's the thing. If you understand what is inside of you, you might walk a little bit differently. You might talk a little bit differently. You might think a little bit differently. You know, when I said that about how, you know, the, the Spirit of God in you, it will, it will elicit a response from things and people or environments around you. You know, Jesus understood the power of what he had. You remember in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus gets, he's, a, he's asleep on a boat and a storm comes through. And the disciples are like, we're going to die. What are you going to do? And he's like, what? He's wiping the sleep out of his eyes. <sighs> What's going on? They're like, don't you care? We're perishing. And he's trying to get the, he's trying to convey something to them. He's trying to get them to understand. I, I'm Jesus. You think this storm is more powerful than me? I've got, I'm here on purpose and assignment and destiny. And you think these winds and this wave is going to affect me in any way? He's there snoring. He's in a deep REM sleep. He's having sweet dreams of heaven. And these guys are freaking out because they didn't have what he had yet. So what does Jesus do? He gets up. He says, okay, well, peace be still, right? What happened? What was inside of Jesus? The peace inside of him changed the environment around him. So whatever you have inside of you, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it has the capacity to change the environment around you. That's why everywhere that you and I go, knowing that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the capacity to make drastic or positive changes. And sometimes we don't realize what we carry. So when you're leading the, you know, the Spirit-filled life is not just God said, go here and this is where I'm going. The Spirit-filled life is no everywhere I go, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. So you are a container for the Spirit of God. So why does God do that? Now, those of you who might know a little bit about my background, but most of you don't know, I grew up in a more of a, a charismatic, you would say, Pentecostal, I'd say crazy church sometimes. But it was a fun church. We had a lot of fun. And um, there's a thing that people will say all the time, and we use this statement, uh, and it's almost like the Pentecostal tagline that says, says something to this, this effect, that when you receive the Holy Spirit, that you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Anybody ever heard that? It's true, but it's not the, it's not the end all. Right? It, and, and I think what happens is sometimes we use that as like this badge or this motto that unless you, and, and what happens is we have this tendency to look down on people that don't speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit is not tongues. The Holy Spirit is a person. Tongues is not the goal of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is not the goal of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Walking in the miraculous, doing supernatural works, it is not the goal of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The goal of being filled with the Holy Spirit is to look more like Jesus. That's what it is about. Titus chapter 3, you look at 4, 5, 6, 7, verse 5 talks about how we didn't deserve any of this grace or this mercy, but God gave it to us. 
He gave it to us and he gave it to us through the renewing by the washing or the watering of the Holy Spirit. We have been regenerated. We have been refreshed. We have been renewed by the Holy Spirit. He has come into us by the mercy and by the grace of God. And in verse 6, Titus 3, 6, it says, And God gives us this, this what? This Holy Spirit. Generously. That means overabundantly, overflowing. He fills you with his Holy Spirit. And then it goes on and talks about how we become partakers or heirs of this eternal glory of God. What is he saying? That when you receive, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it gives you, it puts you in a better position to walk like Jesus. I, I said this the last time I was here. When you look at Galatians in uh, chapter 5, verse 22, and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, there's two bookends before and after the, the fruit of the Spirit. In verse 16 and 18, it talks about being led or being guided by the Holy Spirit. When you get to verse 25, after it's talked about all the fruit of the Spirit, it, it basically says that we're kind of walking in lockstep, like you see the footprints in the stand and you're trying to mimic that's what the Holy Spirit does. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, yes, he leads you that way. He guides you that way. But in the middle of all of that, he's trying to get us to be more like Christ. That is, that is the ultimate manifestation of the Holy Spirit is that you and I look like Jesus. What did Paul say in um, I forgot 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18 says that we, with an unveiled face, we're looking into a mirror. And what are we beholding? Because whatever you behold, that's what you become. Whatever you focus on, that's what you become. Whatever you give your attention to, whatever you give your energy to, whatever you give your faith to, that's the thing that you become. And what the Holy Spirit does in our life as he fills us, as we're living with him inside of us, he, he, he helps us to know that there is work to be done. He helps us. He doesn't just see the flaws and says it's a failure. He says there's a flaw. Let's fix it. Let's make it better. Because when you look in the mirror, now how many of you ladies, maybe you look very beautiful. How many, anybody this morning just jump out of bed and come to church? Anybody? Some of us guys probably did. Yeah, so yeah, I saw a hand back there. He's like, yeah, don't. Guy, us guys have it easy, don't we? We can, we, can, we can shower, shave, do everything in about three minutes if we have to. And you ladies are like, you can't do it. What happens? Well, you went through a, a transformational process this morning before you came to church, didn't you? You got up in the mirror and you went, oh my God. And you turned to your husband and he's like, oh my goodness. She got some work to do. Right? And, and what, but what do you do? You begin to go through this process and you, you, you know, you take your shower and you look in the mirror and you start fixing your hair and you start putting on your makeup. And thank you very much for that. We appreciate that. We acknowledge your beauty and we acknowledge your effort to present yourself in a pure and a holy way. <laughs> I, don't mean, I don't know why I'm being silly today. <laughs> but, but what happened is you have a goal in mind of what you wanted to look like today. I'm speaking mostly to the ladies, but some of those guys do the same. But just you get the analogy, right? You have a goal in mind. When you wake up, here's the outfit I want to wear. Here's how I want my hair to look. This is the makeup I'm going to put on. And, and then many of you, if you pick out, pick out clothes for somebody else, it's because you're trying to get them to look a certain way as well, right? Why? Because you're tr you don't want to present yourself the way you wake up. 
Why? Because it's a process. So the Holy Spirit filling in us, as, he, as we are filled with his Holy Spirit, he takes us through this transformational process of where we are to where God is trying to get us to be. And that is beautiful, and that is holy, and that is amazing. If you look at Ezekiel in chapter 36, verse 26 and 27, God is talking about how he's going to restore the nation of Israel. And he says to them, he says, I'm going to take out of you. First he says, I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to remove from you this heart of flesh, or this heart of stone. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And then he says, and I'm going to fill you with my spirit. So that, so that you will walk in my precepts, in my commands, in my ways. See, all that other stuff I said a minute ago in terms of prophecy and speaking in tongues and doing works of miracles, all those are manifestations of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And they are evidences, but they're not the goal. The goal is that when somebody looks at your life, they don't say, wow, you're so gifted. They look at you and say, I look in your eyes, I see Jesus. When I feel your touch, it's like I feel the touch of heaven. When you speak to me, they're like the words of Jesus because they bring life to me. That is what the ultimate goal of what God is trying to do in our life. It is so that we will be a container of this Holy Spirit, filled completely, full, overflowing. So all of those other things, that's the overflow. But the work and the process of the filling of, the, of the being filled with the Holy Spirit is so that we would walk in the ways of God. And people say, well, I don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, you're right. You can go to heaven. You're saved. You, you've received salvation. You've been to the cross. But I'm telling you, it is a miserable journey from that moment till you get to eternity without the Holy Spirit. It's a miserable journey. See, law. Think about that one, right? So, he, we're, so we're this container and then we understand that we have to be Christ-like. And then, you know, the next thing I would say is, what does the Holy Spirit teach us and what does he do? And this may be a little hard. Because we don't like to talk about this stuff in church. Nello and I were talking right before service about, especially here in the, our, say, the American culture or Western culture, is we love our comfort. Oh. I love my comfort. I love my convenience. We got back from Guatemala and first night in my bed, I just sunk. I was like, I'm so grateful for my king size bed. I'm so grateful for my sheets. I'm so grateful for that cat I don't even like, but it's in my house and it's my house. Thank you, God. Right? And so, you know, we love our comforts and we love our conveniences. But, you know, the, the thing is God isn't always comfortable and he's certainly not always convenient. You know, many of you, you'll go to a restaurant after this um, that, you know, after this meeting, and I probably shouldn't say that because now you're thinking about, you know, the chicken you're going to have or the steak or the chewies or whatever you're going to eat for lunch. I'm trying to give you some suggestions <laughs> and, uh, and trying to figure out what that's going to look like. And, but it's convenient, right? You go, you, if some of you might go through fast food, some of you might order, go pick it up. You can do it so fast, right? And we want everything with God that way, but it doesn't work that way. And, and, and there's this scripture that we've used a lot but I, I don't know if anybody's focused in on this. So what I say is if I repeat something somebody else has said, it probably means you need to hear it more. Uh, repetition, right, is, the, is how we learn. When Jesus says in John 16, verse 7, he says, it's to your advantage that I go. 
It's to your benefit that I go because I'm going to send you the helper, the comforter, the advocate. He's going to send you this Holy Spirit. And, and then he gets into the next verse. We like to skip to the later parts where he says, you know, that he's going to lead you into the truth. Right? Verse 12, 13. Right? But if you look at verse 8, this thing's kind of messed up on me. We look at verse 8. He says, and this Holy Spirit, he's going to come. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to make you feel good. No, he doesn't say that. He says he's going to come and, and he's going to convict the world. But not just of sin, but also of righteousness and judgment. And we think about sin and we don't want to talk about sin because sin is uncomfortable. And we all know our own sin. And when I prophesy to people, I tell people, don't worry, I'm not going to call out your sin because I want to call out your destiny. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there is, there is an action that begins to happen in your life at a rate or at a level that you have never experienced before where you begin to recognize the morality that God has established. That's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit does. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not just I made a mistake and I can recognize my failure. It's being aware of the potential danger or sin or failure in your life. That's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit does. Now, there's all kinds, and you can, you can, you probably listen to this. You probably have your own thoughts on this. There's all kinds of messages about the difference between conviction and condemnation. The Holy Spirit convicts. The world condemns. But there's, there's something that when we come to this understanding that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, we begin to think like God and act like God. And we're, we're aware of the things that could potentially be harmful, those stumbling blocks in front of us. And many of you may not even be aware, but you, you do this all the time. Have you ever, I'll give you a simple example of this. Not necessarily a sin, but something that happens in your life that... Um, that the Holy Spirit is trying to help you with. You, 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 will, you will use food again as a great analogy, right? You're sitting at the table and you've just had the biggest, most juicy burger and fries that, that you've had. And it tastes so great. And you're so full. You can't eat another bite. And your body is telling you, don't eat the rest of that. But you paid $14 for that burger. <laughs> your body is telling you, don't touch it. And you feel pretty good, but you're like, I, I, I can squeeze that. I got a little more room. And then so you eat that, the rest of that burger. You eat the rest of those fries. You, you know, you, you, you sop it up with the ranch or the, the ketchup or whatever your thing is. You suck down the rest of that Coke. And then you're like, oh, I should have worn my fat pants today. Right? And you feel miserable. Right? That's what your body is telling you. But think about that with the Holy Spirit. How many things is the Holy Spirit trying to make us aware of? And that'll bring me to my next point here in just a moment. But I want to I belabor this for just a few more minutes, if you guys will give me that, uh, that grace. Is the Holy Spirit is there to help us to understand God's moral law. In Genesis chapter 3, we see this thing happen, right? God has given an explicit command. He's made all this great stuff. He's put it into the garden. He says, Adam, Eve, you can have whatever you want, except you can't have this one fruit off this one tree. That's it. Everything else, enjoy. Isn't it always human nature to want the thing that we're not supposed to have? Right? And so there's, they, they see this tree. They're obedient to what God has said for a season. Right? But then 
The enemy comes in and he begins to have a conversation. Anytime you dialogue to consensus with an enemy, you lose. I got to remember that statement. That's why I'm pausing. (laughs) Anytime you dialogue to a consensus with an enemy, you lose. Every time. So he tells Eve what the enemy always does to us. Did God really say? Well, she knows. Well, absolutely. We had a face-to-face conversation. We've been talking about this for a while. I know exactly what the rules are. Yeah, but, okay, maybe God said it, but did God really mean it that way? Ah, now here comes the trickery, right? Well, no, God actually understands that um, there will be, be an illumination, a revelation if you partake of this. But here is the, here's the catcher. Verse 6. The Bible says that Eve saw that the fruit was good. She saw that the fruit was good and it was desirable. You know what happens When we think something is good that God has outlined that isn't, we begin to change our mind. This isn't bad. This isn't evil. This is good, and it's delightful. It's desirable. We just change the moral construct. And we begin to say, this is actually right because it's good. And we live in a world right now where we have an inverted morality. Do we, I mean, we, there's n- nobody would argue that point, would you? I mean, we live in a world right now where, where everything that's evil is called good, everything that's good is called evil. Jesus told us to be aware of that, that the end times were coming when that happened, but we're seeing it on a level we've never seen it before. And it, the reason that happens is because people that, even church people who are supposedly filled with the Spirit of God, they have not recognized, they have not paid attention to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that says it may look good, it may feel good, it may taste good it might be desirable but God said don't touch it because ultimately it's not good for you it might be good in that moment the Bible says sin is good for a season it might be good momentarily but long term it will destroy your life and so we have to get to this place where we're we, we, we allow we don't we don't we don't feel like oh the Holy Spirit's convicting me so I'm a bad person Conviction is one of your best friends because it will protect you. And all of us have been through this where we, we, we're thinking about a sin, we're thinking about doing something, and, and, and the Holy Spirit inside of us is saying, don't do it. And we're like, but, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a tough thing, but maybe I'll, I'll, just, I'll just look a little bit. I'll just taste a little bit. I'll just try a little bit. It'll be okay. And then what happens the moment you do it? You feel like, a dirty dog, right? You feel like, you, I messed up again. How could I fall into the same pattern, the same failure? I thought I was doing good. The Holy Spirit is there pre-sin. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But many times we, re, we, we reject that. Now listen, I don't want to focus on sin. I just want to bring it into, you know, into context of understanding that God is trying to protect us. And it's not so that we, we think about sin or we focus on sin. It's that we acknowledge the Holy Spirit inside of us to try to keep us from doing that thing. 
It also is there in terms of conviction to make us aware of people, situations, surroundings that aren't good or godly as well. That's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit will do. You walk into a room, you can walk into a church and everybody seems happy, but there's something inside of you that said, there's darkness here. There's something wrong here. You meet somebody and the Holy Spirit is inside of you. You're filled with the Holy Spirit and everybody else thinks they're the, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. And you're like, no, there's something off. And you know I need to distance myself from that person. How many people have engaged in relationships that have destroyed their life because they didn't listen to the Holy Spirit say, don't go after that? But they love Jesus. They say the right things. They do the right things. And, and they seem good. And so, well, it's good. It's delightful. It's pleasurable. I want it so I can have it. So now my morality is they're good. I'm good. So let's do this. But the Holy Spirit in you was saying, don't. And there's a reason. And, and the thing is, we want explanation. Why isn't this good, God? Why shouldn't I touch it? Why can't I have it? Why can't I go in that direction? What, what's wrong with this? It's, it's what I want. And, and God, it seems good, so let's change it. And then we just change God's moral law. Because we're not listening to the Holy Spirit inside of us. Right, And so when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you receive that conviction, it enables you. And, and the, here's the thing. The more aware that we are of the feeling of the Holy Spirit, the better we will be at responding correctly when those moments happen. Whether it's sin, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's godly or ungodly, we will be better equipped of how to handle those things in our life. That's part of being led by the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. It lets you. It's not just to, to hurt you or to say, oh, you sinned, you're bad. It's to, it's to say, no, these are the things that God wants. These are the things that God approves of. And you don't have to always, you know, obviously the Holy Spirit will always align with Scripture, but you might not always know the Scripture. How many of you can quote from Genesis to Revelation? Anybody? Nobody? Well, what's wrong with you? Are you not a good disciple? But the Holy Spirit inside of you, because he knows all truth, and you're filled with him, he can give you that information at the moment you need it. That's what being with the, filled with the, well, God, I don't know if this is right or wrong. It looks pretty good. It looks good. But then there's this scripture out here that says, don't partake of that. That's not good for you. But I don't know that scripture. I don't know that verse. So that means I'm not, uh, that, I'm, uh, that I'm free of that. Right? Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I heard, I think it's a, it's a quote that said, um, I don't know, it's actually a verse. It says, uh, basically, it's a, basically about in, ignorance that it, for many times God accepted or allowed you to be ignorant, but now he's called all men everywhere to repent. Something to that effect, right? So God will overlook it for a season, but then he's like, okay, now it's time to step up. It's time to move forward. It's time to grow in this, this grace. And then, so we got, so we're containers of the Lord. We're trying to be more Christ-like. We are led by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, knowing that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We understand that we have to walk in a, in a morally excellent way to the best of our ability. But there's also this thing about consciousness. 
Now, I don't want to get all weird on you, and, uh, but I, I really want you to see this in terms of how we renew our minds. The Bible talks about transformation. Romans 12, right? Romans 12, 2 says we're not conformed to the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we already talked about the, that transformation, that physical transformation in the, in the mirror, how God is spiritually transforming us, taking us from one state of existence to another state of existence, which is from glory to glory becoming more like him, right? But there's this other transformation that takes place in our mind to where we begin to take on the mind of Christ. And this happens through the filling of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, it talks about the Holy Spirit. And it says, the world isn't, or it says, those who aren't filled with the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. Those who are not filled with the Holy Spirit they don't, they don't know him. They don't acknowledge him. They don't receive him. And they think that who he is and what he does is full of this. That's what it says. Those who are not filled with the Holy Spirit consider that the Holy Spirit is nothing but foolishness. There's a whole section, even in, in, in Christendom, that believe that. That the Holy Spirit is not real, that he doesn't exist, that he doesn't operate, that, you know, he, he's nothing. There's people that say the, the gifts were for, for that time of Jesus' day or the, all the, the five-fold ministry. That was only at the time of the apostles and all that's gone away with and there's no Holy Spirit anymore. And I'm like, wait a second. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and he's going to be with you. He's going to be inside of you. He's going to live with you. He's not going away. He's always there. He's always active. He's always present. And he just wants some acknowledgement. You know, you should just wake up and be like, what was it? I think Benny Hinn wrote, wrote the book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. He's like, good morning, Holy Spirit. You know, just acknowledge that he is there. He's with you and he's for you. And, and there's this thing that happens and it goes on. It says, the reason that they think it's foolishness is because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. How can you and I understand the Spirit of God without spiritual understanding? It is an impossibility. So doesn't it make sense? Would you agree that you're a spiritual being? Right? You're made of body, soul, and spirit. You know, it's like one person said, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Right? We are spiritual beings. The Bible says... That God is spirit, right? It says, you know, he told the woman at the well, he said, you know, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So we're spirit. God is spirit. The Bible says in Timothy that the word that we have, that whether we open it in a, in a, in a you know, a, a tangible way or we open it in a digital way, right? We have the, the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration by God. What does that mean? It means that the book that we read, that we rely on, that we hold our faith to, it is a spiritual book. So you have a spiritual book written by a spiritual God given to a spiritual people and we think we can reason it with our mind. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? So we can discern the heart, the mind, and the intent of God. When you have that spiritual feeling of God, you're able to decipher, like the Word talks about how the Word cuts. It's a two-edged sword. That means it cuts going in, it cuts going out. It's able to discern and decipher what's right. We need to be able to discern the Spirit of God. And then it goes on in that same passage, and it talks about who can know the mind of God. 
And it says, but those of us, and I'm paraphrasing, that have been filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the mind of Christ. People said, say to me all the time, Roddy, you've lost your mind. You're crazy. I'm like, thank God. If I've lost my mind, maybe I've taken on the mind of Christ. Right? We've taken on the mind of Christ. What does that mean? It means I'm gonna, if I'm going to act like him, if I'm going to be that, that container, that vessel, if I'm going to walk in Christ's likeness, and I'm going to adapt the fruit of the Spirit of my life, and I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God, and, and I'm going to be aware of the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm getting better, I'm getting better, I'm growing, I'm maturing, I'm developing, and at some point, I'm going to start thinking like God. It's a God consciousness. It's a God consciousness. And you know, most of us, we have a carnal consciousness or we have a sin consciousness. And the reason that we fall so often, remember I said a little while ago, we become what we behold. The reason we fail so often in life, the reason we fall into the same patterns of sin and we can't seem to get the breakthrough is because our mind is always fixated on that problem. We're always thinking about what if I fail? What if I sin? What's it going to happen? So our mind is constantly thinking about the problem of how we continually fail. And if you keep thinking about failure, you're going to fail. If you keep thinking about the fear, the fear will happen to you. That's what Job said. He says, the thing that I feared came upon me. Right? Whatever you give your focus to, whatever you give your mind to, that's what you will become. So it's not about the conviction of the Holy Spirit so I can meditate on sin. It's an acknowledgement and a realization that because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, when sin knocks at my door, I'll be able to recognize it for what it is. And I'll make the righteous choice. There was a, there was a, um, a message that was circulating a few years ago by, by a famous preacher. And he was talking about the difference between a sin consciousness and righteousness consciousness. And what he was saying was most of us, Christian and non-Christian alike, we, we live with the sin consciousness, right? We're always thinking about sin, right? We're, always, we're, we're actually devoted to sin, right? Because that's where I'm at. So we, what do we do? We always sin. And every now and then we'll do an act of righteousness and it makes us feel good. But what if we flip the script and we said, no, the Bible says that we are the righteousness of God. Through Christ Jesus, right? So if I am the righteousness of God and I can think about and I can focus on and I can set my mind and my intention about being righteous, living righteously, it doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. But what it does mean is that when I do sin, I realize that's not my lifestyle. I just made a mistake. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God for forgiveness, believing by faith that there's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness, there's hope. And then I'm going to continue to live and walk righteously. That's what the feeling of the Holy Spirit gives us the capacity to do. It gives us a God consciousness where we can begin to think like God. Now, please don't take that and, and, and say, where, where's he going with this? I'm just saying that you and I, being filled with the Holy Spirit, can know the heart, the mind, and the intent of the Lord. People ask me, how do you do what you do? And those of you who don't know that, um, and some of you might be visiting for this, and I'll be coming back in a few weeks and we're going to do a, I think a, like a team activation and we're going to do some prophetic things. Um, but most of what I do um, is always lends itself to some prophetic things. And people say, Roddy, how do you do that? You know, how do you, how do you know that about those people? How do, you, how do you come up with that? And I'm like, I really don't know, right? I, I mean, I don't, my answer is simply that I'm trying to listen 
to the Spirit of God. When I step on, up onto a stage, I have a, a very simple prayer. It's, you know, God, I want to see what you see. I want to hear what you want to say. That's my simple prayer. Let me see what you see. Purify my heart, cleanse my mind, let me see what you see. Because if I can see what he sees, then I can say what he wants to convey. But I can't do that in the natural. So what I can do, I can look at somebody with a shirt. Let's see somebody that's got a, somebody got a logo or something on their shirt. What's on your front of your shirt? It's a rose. So optically, right, visually, in the natural, I see a rose. And I could take that and begin to create a scenario, right? A scenario about his life, you know, that, you know, every, every you know, all, all roses have thorns. And even though his life had been full of thorns and all these things trying to be prickly and hurt him, but he's flourishing. God's blessing him and he's going to come out smelling and looking like a rose. Beautiful, powerful, potent, amazing. That's a pretty good word, right? That wasn't by the Spirit of God. Now, it could be. I don't want to get in a whole lesson on the prophetic. It could be. But I made, a, I made a, 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 a visualization. I saw what he has, and now I'm making a judgment about his life. And that's what happens a lot of times. The Bible says that the kingdom of God does not come through observation. So how does it come? It comes through perception or discernment. So I can look at somebody else. I could look at somebody else that I didn't see the rose like on his shirt, but I see it on them. Now we're getting somewhere. Now I'm able to see what God is seeing. And I can say to that same person that you are that rose, that you thought you were dead and defeated. You thought you only came up for a season, but God says it's a new season for your life, right? God says, I, I forgot your name back there. This is the word for you. God says it's a new season for you, lady, blonde, blonde lady right here beside yeah, this is, I'm just telling you, this is a new season for you. I'm not calling you the rose. What I'm saying is everything that the enemy has tried to use to destroy your life, to make you feel like you were defeated, like you weren't good enough, that you weren't acceptable, that you were disqualified for some reason. And that makes no sense because by nature, you're a strong woman. You're a determined woman. You're a focused woman. You're a person who says, if I want something, I'm going to go get it. But the enemy keeps these subtle little lies to say, you're never going to have that dream you're never going to get that accomplishment. You're never going to stand on that stage. You're never going to speak to the multitudes. You're never, never, never. And God says that is a lie because what God has established, what God has already promised you, he will bring it to pass. And I'm telling you, you are entering into a new season in your personal life, in your relationships, and there's something about the, there's a major shift that's going to happen. And it's not going to be the shift where it was destructed before, but it's going to be like a, a construction, a restructuring, uh, a, a redesign, if you will, but you're going with more power, with more opportunity, and more influence than you've ever had before. So, so go after that. Amen? Now you receive that. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? So those are things that, amen. So th those are things that, you know, I, I just, God just, hey, I discern it, I feel it, I sense it. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, now I'm kind of getting ahead of ourselves in the, in the teachings of God working through us. But God can't work through you until he can, but he can't work to the level through you that he wants to until he completely fills you. Our worship team, come up, guys. So what is it that, that God would do in us today? What is it that God would say for you? I don't have a clock, so I told these guys to keep me on point, but I think they were just, they were so engaged in the message I don't even know. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good, right? So, 
there's, there's just something. Let me, I want to I touch one last thing before we, before we worship for a moment. There is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that God wants to activate through our lives. But I think sometimes we focus on the experience so often that we forget the encounter with the word of God, with the voice of God, with the communion with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it, it, should, it should challenge you and it should encourage you to want to know him more. I, I, I was thinking on the way over and actually mo- some of my favorite times, I love the stage. Um, even, even when I don't always necessarily perform, I, I love the stage because I, I believe it's something God's called me to and I believe I can have an impact, but there's something more when I'm in the car and I'm driving and I really didn't know where to go this morning in terms of direction of the service. I sent the scripture in Ezekiel to Pastor Dave. That's the only scripture I sent that I might even talk about. But um, what I told him I thought I'd talk about, I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even give you a taste of that this morning. Because when I'm in the car like that and I'm intentionally seeking the Lord, he comes. I know he's in me, he's filled me, he's with me, but there's this, it's almost like this tangible idea that God is sitting right there with me. And he's speaking to me. And I had this thought. And I, you know, I've through the years of being a missionary, a pastor, and about everything in between, <laughs> counselor. I've talked to so many people in relationships, and one of the things that's been very devastating in people's lives is when there's codependent relationships. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to be codependent on me. That's a healthy codependent relationship. Trust me. See, when we come to that place, when the Holy Spirit and you are you're you're in this place of communion, you realize He really does want to speak to you. And that's what He does. That's really where I wanted to go today. I want to talk to you about the subtleties of how God speaks to us. We want something grandiose. We want the burning bush. We want the extravagance. We want the the lightning. We want the thunder. But I've said this before. God doesn't typically give you the thunder till you become intimate with the whisper. And as powerful as the Holy Spirit is, as challenging sometimes as He is, for me, I, I think of him like a gentleman. He brings peace. He brings calm. He brings clarity. He brings understanding, purpose, all of those things. But he, he does it in such a way where he says, here's, here's what I have. Do you want it? And if you want it, I'll help you get there. Yeah, there's things you can't do. There's things you shouldn't do. But if you'll just cultivate this this relationship with me and understand that I'm there and I've filled you, then I'll get you there. The journey might be tough. It might be challenging. It might be uh, seemingly impossible. But I'll get you there. For some of us today, I, I guess my encouragement would be 
Trust God's process. Acknowledge where you are in life, but also don't accept the status quo. Don't accept what the world says is right for you. Only embrace the things that God says are right for you. Rachel, as I saw you up here today, and I know we talked before, I didn't see a, a scared young woman. I saw a confident communicator with the ability that you've not even scratched the surface yet. And God has put in this in this house a lot of a lot of incredible people. And you're one of those. And I felt like the Lord wanted you to know you don't have to apologize for your success. And that's that's something now, but that's also something in the future. Just feel like there's this weight and this pressure to say you have to kind of back up or you, you're not able to receive because of whatever reason. And it's almost like you have to apologize and you have to have permission to go to that next level. And the Lord is just telling you you already have permission. So you go. Go and achieve. Go and succeed. Go and be everything that God wants you to be um, because you're growing in your confidence like you never have before and, it's, and I know sometimes you feel like you're starting over but you started over so many times it's like it's no big deal for you um, but I don't feel like it's a new season for you I feel like it's a, it's a time of acceleration so don't look back and don't hold back and, um, and God will connect the pieces and the people to where you guys need to be. Um, yeah, just, just don't hold back. So I just bless you with that. Lord, we worship you today. We thank you. Thank you for your word. Those of you who are watching online, we just pray, just ask, say, just, just say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me, Holy Spirit. I want to know you. I want to I wanna be that vessel for you. I want to be led. I want to be guided by you, Holy Spirit. I, I, I want to know you intimately. I want to feel your touch, your embrace. I want to hear your voice and understand. I want to feel that conviction of sin and make the right decisions, but also the understanding of what's righteousness. I want to walk in the moral law of God. I want to be like Jesus. Help me, Holy Spirit. Be that comforter. Be that comforter. We love you, Lord. Amen. Hey, we are so glad that you joined us for our service this morning. If you are interested in learning about how you can start a relationship with Jesus, we would love to be here to talk that through with you. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, that whoever has the Son has life. And we really believe that here at Renovate. So again, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you're just interested in learning more about the faith, you have questions, we'd love to hear from you as well. Or if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus or get more involved in what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. So just go ahead and comment on the platform that you're at or reach out to us by email at info at renovatechurch.com. Again, we're so glad you were able to join us. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to hearing from you soon.